Good morning, everybody. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm loving this weather that we're having. Um, and I'm super excited for today, not only because of the weather, but because I get to come for you guys and speak. Some of you are going, who is that guy? Well, uh, that's okay. Um, my name is BJ. I'm the student minister here. I get to serve with our 6th through 12th graders. And just saying, students, this message is going to slay. All right, that's all the student ministry lingo I'm going to use today. If you didn't know what that was, that's perfectly fine. They have tons of words that don't make sense at all. Uh, but that's, that's just student ministry. Um, our interim pastor, Dr. Previn Vaughn, uh, he is not with us right now. He's been teaching at a seminar. He's going to spend some vacation with his wife, and rightfully so. And I'm praying and hoping that he brings more of the cold weather where he is at right now back with him. Uh, because I am looking forward to the cold weather. Uh, but... This is not my comfort zone. I was just going to start off telling you guys that. Normally, I'm, again, talking with 6th through 12th graders. And so when I get into scenarios like this, I like to just go to God in prayer before I even jump into anything because he helps to really calm my spirit. So you guys can bow your heads. We're going to start off in prayer this morning. God, we come to you this morning. We recognize that you are always with us. You are the king over this earth. And today, God, I pray that you'd hear our praise and may it be pleasing to your ears. Today, as we hear from your word, I pray that you would open our ears as well, that we would hear from your spirit and that um, as I try to put words together, I pray, God, that you address them with truth and conviction uh, for our lives. God, we pray these things knowing that you are God and we praise you today. You are awesome. In your name we pray. Amen. So just kind of recall what has gone uh, started last week. This uh, Art of Neighboring uh, sermon series. Rob brought an awesome message for us. And I wanted to kind of point you back to some of his points um, as we continue going on in this series. So you had seen a table that came up that he pointed us to um, for the Art of Neighboring. It kind of paints your house and these square spaces uh, that you could write your neighbors' names down, fill in these blanks, maybe pray with them, with your family, or uh, just take some time to think about how you can best minister to them. Uh, Rob's words were that we were the best ministers, we were the best equipped ministers to reach our neighbors. He said God calls you to it. He equips you for it. And God has placed you there for it. And the reality of it is, is that that is exactly what we should be doing with our lives. Is doing the best, not only to reach our neighbors around us, but everybody. And when we think about that, one of the things that pops up that we can examine this calling with is time. And that's kind of the subject that we're going to be talking about today. The reality about time is we only have so much um, if we were to think of our lives as kind of a lifeline, right, and just kind of going on and on and on this lifeline of eternity, the reality of it is, is we only have this amount of time on that lifeline of eternity. And what we do with that time is greatly important. You know, we can choose to be filled with anxiety and things about how we can spend that time. But we have to recognize that this time that God has given us is a very precious resource. 
And because it's a precious resource, we must learn to use it the best that we can to minister to our neighbors. To further examine this, we're going to look at a story in Scripture um, in Luke chapter 10. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. Luke chapter 10, we're going to look at verses 38 through 42. Most of you probably heard this story if you've been in the Bible any at all. Um, if you've grown up in the church, you probably heard this story. Um, and it, and it, it's, a, it's, just a, it's a fun story. So let's jump into it and, and see what Scripture has for us. Again, that's Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. If you don't have a way to get to it, you can definitely be following along on our screens. It says... As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. When we look at this story, theologians argue about who is right. We get this concept of Mary versus Martha. The reality of it is, is that both Mary and Martha we're probably doing right things. And I wanted to take a minute to kind of talk about each person's scenario. So when you consider Martha, she's most likely the older of the two sisters. She probably, she owns this home according to scripture and she's bringing Jesus and the disciples in to recline at her table to allow Jesus to have a place to teach. And it would have been Martha's job in that culture to prepare food for the people who are reclining at her table to keep the house clean. That gave her value and that gave her purpose. So what she was doing was excellent. She was choosing to serve the Lord with what she had been given. In other words, we could say she used her time by serving the Lord. And then you have Mary. Not much is said about Mary, except we see that Mary is at the feet of Jesus. So we have Martha who is doing what she should be doing culturalistically doing exactly what she should be doing. But then Mary, Mary breaks all bounds. Mary in culture, see, she breaks a couple different rules. First of all, she's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Now, this is a a direct representation of the teacher and a pupil or someone who is following after the teacher. And that place normally was reserved for a man because the man was supposed to be there to the teacher looking to advance further and eventually become like the teacher. That's a culturalistic bounds. And we know that Jesus approves of where Mary is. But the second thing that Mary, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to say ignores, but um, she chooses to, to, to sit at Jesus' feet in this time is Martha, her sister, who's most likely holding her up um, in her house. And, she, and she's not choosing to help. She's not choosing to serve Martha and aid in her mission here. So there's, there's definitely some debate here. Who is right? And Jesus clarifies all who is making the right choice, but we see them both make a choice with the time that has been given to them, okay? So Jesus, Jesus comes, you know, Martha comes, she, she does the confrontation. We'll talk about that in a minute. But Jesus brings it back down with a calming way of, of calling out her name, Martha, Martha. I've always wondered how Martha came about this. Was it like Jesus, seriously? Or was it like 
Jesus, come on. I mean, like, come, I don't, I don't know what it was, but the reality of it is I think about Martha a whole lot more in this story because if I'm honest with you, I'm probably a lot like Martha and Jesus often has to come to me and say, BJ, BJ, take it easy. Think about this for a second. And that's kind of what's happening to Martha here. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. But only one thing is needed. So a clear answer here where Jesus is saying, with your time, there is only one thing that you need in life, and that is Jesus. So very clearly, Jesus says, in this instance, Mary has chosen what is better. And so when we examine our lives and we remember that we only have this amount of time, a very small amount of time here to impact those who are lost for God's kingdom. We're not promised tomorrow. We only have so much time. And God has called us to it. He has equipped us for it. And he has placed us where we are to minister to our neighbors, to use the time that we have to minister to the people around us. So how does time impact that calling? Well, to understand that, we need to have a compass. And one of the greatest compasses that the Bible gives us is found in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. So I'd like, many of you know this, but I would like you to turn in your Bibles and get to Matthew 28, 18 through 20, um, because it would be helpful for you as we go along in this process. So even if you have your phone, you got to scroll to that Bible app, I would really love for you to have it in front of your eyes. You can follow along with it in the screen, but I will be referring back to this compass for us as we figure out how we can best use time. All right. So Matthew 28, 18 through 20, it says this. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father And in the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. As we look at this compass, we can see a couple different things that pop up to us with uh, time. And the first word that we got for today is pace. I got three little points for you. Three P words. Okay. Yeah. See what I did there? Um, Pace. Thank you, Kermit. I appreciate it. Um, The reality of it is, is we have to go at a pace with our time in order to reach our neighbors. We see that Jesus has all the authority. And then he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. See, the reality of our world is that we run in a certain pace. And many times we get into this word called hurry. Anybody been hurried this past week? Huh? Huh? Anybody have to go take a little three-year-old and then accidentally spill a little coffee on her arm and then you're late to dropping her off? Anybody? Anybody? That's me. Um, so you get into these moments of life where God takes control of your life, but you still feel like you have to press on and hurry to meet your own plan. God doesn't want that for us. In fact, hurry can be the very enemy of us ministering to our neighbors and to those who are around us. Um, hurry is very toxic. We can't hurry with, the, with our time. We have to go at a pace that God puts us in. Every day, a new pace occurs. Some days it's going to be faster. Some days it's going to be slower. You saw uh, Rob gave us a quote last week, and I wanted to bring that quote back up. 
It says love and hurry are not at all compatible because love always takes time and time is something hurried people do not have. Hurry is toxic. Hurry prevents us from ministering to our neighbors. And so yesterday I got the privilege to go watch some of our students go run cross country. I was a cross country runner myself. And all as I'm saying is I definitely can't run at the pace that they're running anymore. Sure wish I could, but I can't right now. Um, and I really started to begin to think about pacing yesterday because there were multiple different types of paces, but some of the students that are in our audience today definitely couldn't run at their pace. Um, there's no chance in it. Um, but the reality is, you know, if Dr. Vaughn would be come back and we were like, okay, Dr. Vaughn, me and you, we're going to we'll run a three mile 5k today. All right. Most likely I'd have to slow my pace down a little bit so that we could stay together. Okay. That's the reality. We all have different paces. Watch Dr. Vaughn's like running some type of marathon when he comes back and he's like, yeah, BJ doesn't know what he's talking about. (laughs) Dr. Vaughn, if you're watching, I guess you can tell us when you come back. Uh, But the point is, is that we all have a pace. And every morning we should evaluate what that pace is, not through our lens and our purposes, but through God's. We have to get to a place that we can't hurry because if we go too fast, We miss things. And Martha, in the story of Mary and Martha, ran too at too fast of a pace. She was so worried about getting all the things done for the disciples and Jesus that she was just like, oh, I need help. I need help. I can see it. Can't you? She's trying to cook. Oh, this thing's boiling over. Oh, man, I got to go wash the dishes. Oh, man. You know, she's going back and forth and she's hurried so much to the point of frustration that she feels like she needs to get her sister at her side. Guys, we have to be ready to adjust our pace. So that it meets God's plans because he is first in our lives. And that brings us to the next word that we got here. And that's priority. We must keep God as priority in our lives. He has to be first in all of our time. We can see that in the Great Commission bringing us back to our compass Starting again in verse 19, it says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. This is kind of two-way streak here. He's not only saying, first of all, you are the teachers. Okay, this is not a question of giftedness, of whether or not you can or cannot teach. This is a direct order to you of going, you need to teach people about me. You teach them to be baptized. You teach them to obey my commands. But that's also a command for you to make sure that every day when you wake up, that you're following his principles, that you're getting in scripture, that you're praying, and that you're making him the priority of the time that you have in life. But what's the excuse that we put there? Just too busy. Got too many things going on today to get into scripture. Got too too much going on. You know, I've got uh, three kids and the concept right every day i wake up i'm too busy to read scripture because i got to put three eggo waffles in the toaster oven make sure they don't burn because if they get burnt then i'm gonna have to make them again and i don't want to do that i got to be at school to drop them off this time you know it's crazy life is crazy but if we allow jesus to take our time and we put him first we can gain a different perspective on life we can't use busyness as an excuse What was Martha's priority? 
Martha's priority became, and I, I like to think that Martha at first was going, I'm so glad to bring Jesus into my, my house. Like she was coming from a place of, of servanthood. She began using her time going, this is for Jesus. This is going to be great. But it became something where she was going, I'm too busy. I'm too busy to understand that it doesn't matter what's going on. Jesus is first. Don't we do that often with our plans? We begin to compartmentalize our life. We begin to go say, hey, I'm going to have Jesus today and I'm going to wear him when I go to this session, uh, this little part in my life. I'm going to say Jesus is a part of this, but maybe he won't be a part of this one because I have to make sure that it's right. We get this concept where we're compartmentalizing Jesus. The best way to say that and to help you guys understand that we can't allow busyness to be an excuse was found, is, is, is found in a book that I'm, I'm reading right now. It's called Awe by Paul, uh, Paul David Tripp. Um, and I wanted you guys to follow along and, and hear, hear this quote that he said. He said, sadly, many people who call themselves Christians live functionally compartmentalized lives. Whether they realize it or not, they have divided their lives into two drawers, real life and spiritual life. He goes on to say their Christianity is sectored off from the rest of life. Their faith is an aspect of their life rather than something that shapes everything in life. Guys, that should cut the very being of who you are as a Christian. To go that I can't have Jesus in this drawer and everything else in my life in this drawer. Jesus wants to be a part of everything in your life. And the reality is, if we want to be effective ministers to our neighbors, to the people around us, we can't allow Jesus to be a bystander. He has to be in everything that we do. Every conversation, every breath, every thought. Because whether we like it or not, he's there. Jesus is our highest priority. We must use the time, again, referring back to this little amount of time, we must... Use this time and keep him as priority in everything that we do. The final portion that we see here in our compass today is this verse. I love this verse because it empowers the Great Commission so much. Jesus said, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The word that comes to my heart when we're talking about this verse is peace. Without God's peace surrounding our time, nothing that we've talked about before this really works. God's peace has to surround our life. And what's the enemy of that? Worry, anxiety. the, The very concept of going... Oh my, I don't know what's going to go on for today. I don't know what's going to go on for tomorrow. I don't know what is going to happen. If we look into Martha's situation, right? We see where Martha gets so worked up. She's so worried about what could or could not happen that she comes to Jesus and she says, Jesus, I mean, for me, like I can see it. I've done it in my life. It's like, Jeffrey, come on, you know, like 
help me out with this. I can see Martha doing that same thing to Jesus. She just comes to Jesus. She's like, aren't you in charge? Aren't you going to tell Mary what to do? Come on. Like, she's supposed to be helping me. I could even see it from a righteous heart and the frustration and worry building up. And it's just not surrounded by God's peace. See, the reality of this is that Martha was not okay with Jesus interrupting Mary's life. And nor was she okay with Jesus interrupting her own. In that moment in time, when Martha decided to interrupt Jesus' life and arguably Mary's life, she chose to say that what she was worrying about was more important. And that's something that we do quite often. What I have to do today, God, is more important than what you are telling me to do right now. The reality of it is we have to make sure that peace, the peace of God, rules in our heart. We have to be okay with God interrupting our life. Guys, and the reality is if you're not okay with that, then you're going to find living as a Christian very inconvenient because God is in the business of interrupting your life. Paul puts it this way in Colossians chapter 3. Um, it's not on the screens for you guys. It's just one verse that I wanted to read for us. Colossians chapter 3, verse uh, 15. He says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Paul says, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. And as a community, we are supposed to, to allow his peace to rule as well. The the thought process here for all of us guys is if you examine what's going on in our church's life right now, it can be very easy to be burdened with fear and worry of what might come. We cannot allow that to enter into our souls. We have to allow God's peace to rule for us. We have to allow God's peace to rule over all the time that we have. It's a peace that brings us together. It doesn't separate us. And that's something that we all need in this world. So as we begin to kind of wrap things up today, I want us to bring us to the concept That your time is God's time. See, we have a pace that we go at. We have a priority that we go at. And then we need to have God's peace in our lives. See, if God's peace is not in our life, then there's no way to make our time God's time. Referring you back to the concept here of this little time. I want you to imagine eternity goes on forever. And the further you go down the line of eternity, the less your time gets. How often do I hear it? Make sure that you take the time that you have with your little ones because they're going to grow old. I I hear that. And I recognize how small of time that is. 
how small of time that you have here to impact eternity. Do we get that? You have only so much time to use God's time to impact the kingdom. It is our job, isn't it, to make his kingdom here on earth. To tell others about how his peace can bring us into unity together. Pace. Priority. Peace. Begin to use your time as God's time and allow his peace to surround your every interaction. Keep him as priority in your life so that he is a part of every second and allow him to shape the pace of all that you do so that you can better minister to the neighbors that are around you. Before I pray us out, I want you to think about the person to your left and your right. This is your church. And the people that are sitting to your left and your right, they're your neighbors. And God has called you to minister to them. He has called you to minister to those that are around your house. But guys, if we don't go at a pace to allow God to alter our life, if we don't keep him as priority, if we don't allow his peace to rule over our lives, then ministering to those people that are around us will be a lot harder. And I'm going to pray right now that God will help us to do that. Let's pray. God, you're good. You're amazing. You're awesome. You're awesome because the more and more I study your word, the more and more I recognize how far I am from you. And the more and more I recognize how much I need to spend time getting to know you to tell other people about you. Because the time that I have here is such a precious resource in my life. And you call me to use it for your glory. So God, as we uh, close out today, I pray that you would send us out. That you would help us to go at a pace that is for you. That you would help us to prioritize our time for you. And when all else fails, allow us, Lord, to understand more and more of your peace every day so that it will rule in our lives. So that it will bring us together as a community surrounded in your love. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. As we close today, guys. Um, I'm going to stand up and worship here in just a minute, but I wanted to give you guys an opportunity to respond. And the reality is there's no time like the present. See what I did there as well? There's no time like the present. Some of you may not know Jesus' love. And if that's you, whether if you're here or if you're online, there's going to be some ministers here um, that you can pray with to know Jesus for the first time. If you're at home, Man, get your Bible out, pray. Bible says that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, that you will be saved. Maybe you're a member of our church and you're just going, I need to use my time better. Well, guys, come to the altar. That's what it's here for. Sacrifice your time and say, God, here it is. Here's everything that I am. Here's my family. Here's every second of my life. I want it to be for your purposes and just lay it at the altar for him.
This is your time to respond to what God is telling you. Let's stand up and worship together.